This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to Hipuna Kōrero, where community is our inspiration as we commence our journey to understand decolonisation and our collective commitment to earth and people. Welcome everybody, I'm Joe Wrigley and with me is Simon Gascoigne. Kia ora everybody, thank you Joe, for having me along today. Oh, it's good. I think we're going to continue <laughs> the conversation from last week. We, 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 we went long and deep into to housing... We did, we did, yes. And, and we started to touch on what housing design would look like. And last week we covered also, um, we started to explore um, our own Pākehā and Tauiwi ancestors. And when they came here, started to look at building houses, the the concept that perhaps, you know, and we already know they were trying to recreate Little Britain, but even our, our working class ancestors um, had aspirational goals for housing. That is right. And, you know, I mean, to be arriving in New Zealand and, and uh, you know, having probably more uh, space available to them and thinking, you know, we can have a larger section and not just have the tr- sort of traditional terraced houses or that they might have had in, well, in, yeah. in England and, and yeah. Um, well, many of the workers came from those London slums, mm, the Irish, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, tenements, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, definitely, yeah. They were thinking of the opportunities here uh, when they arrived, and sometimes, to be honest, they would get here and things were not as they'd been advertised, perhaps in in, well, in yes. England as well. So that, that might have. Yeah. Who was that? Wakefield. Wakefield, those land, the New Zealand, what was it called? The the land sales people anyway. The, mm. they, they, con yeah. artists. Mm. Um, but yeah, hey, sale, well, salesmanship. They had excellent salesmanship or slightly unethical. We won't digress into that. It's a pretty big topic in itself. Um, so the other thing we were talking about was uh, what housing could look like and, and I'm sure everybody is aware that housing is, is a big issue in this country at the moment and um, and the scarcity of housing. So what we're talking about is, is how do we look at housing in a different way? And we're getting pushback from people around city planning, around losing quarter acre sections and losing mm, land around yeah. houses. Yeah. So what are the alternatives to this? Given that one of the most fundamental actions of climate action is not growing cities out or sprawl, sprawling cities mm-hmm. out across um, food growing land because the end goal is also to be able to grow food in a way that's accessible to cities. That's right and cities need to be able to access their food obviously and, and have uh, you know, food coming into the city or food grown inside the city mm. even better to minimise the transport and yeah um, yeah, thinking about how how can we design space really well uh, to provide for the needs of people and 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 their f- uh, food requirements, um, and you know thinking about the design, 
I often think of, um, I mean, I think it's a wind song up in Auckland where, you know, you have a higher density of housing. And, um, oh, yes, that's one, and uh, they have the permaculture the gardens permaculture there. gardens there. And, mm. you know, it's, think about good design, which uh, improves your quality of life as you, you grow into that and that sort of space and, and you know, your, your lifestyle changes. And actually, I remember seeing a, a short video on that one where the inhabitant, or the the people living there were saying that you know actually they they found they had more recreation time to spend quality time with their family mm. because they they didn't have to go you know travelling everywhere and you know they could integrate gardening with relaxation time. So if we take that holistic approach to um, urban design and homes and how we live, I think there's a couple of things, and one is. Um, we know now that mowing your lawn to a quarter inch of its life uh, once a week, like 52 weeks of the year, is bad. Even if you only do it for 40 weeks of the year, you're still not helping biodiversity. It doesn't contribute anything much to the city. Mm. Um, and it's a pressure and another stress that people have. So people are working and then on Saturday or Sunday you have to mow the lawn. Yeah, you have to catch up with everything you in the garden. You have to catch up with the, like, the, the lawn the, 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 and, then, and, and your low-maintenance garden. There, there is no such thing as a low-maintenance. Uh, perhaps I could, <laughs> I could probably relate to that one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it's also that, that consideration of, you know, is something a chore mm. or is it an enjoyable task? That's right. It's how you frame it so <clears throat> if you know if you realize it's an integral part of your lifestyle if you know it's an in- integral part of your lifestyle and you know growing food uh, and then preparing this food that you've grown you know it's a very satisfying feeling to be able to cook something that you know you've grown yourself and mm. and you know there's a connection there and yeah. there's a there's skills uh, there's a certain maramataka that comes with that so if you have your own patch like, like a patch of garden that you tend so we won't talk about ownership of the garden, but if you have some garden, some earth, that you tend and care for and observe and look after, mm-hmm. and then you know what works in that space, and yeah. you can solve the puzzles that come up in that space, and you can make the most of that space as far as food production goes. Mm if it's an integrated part of your household. But the other element to that, I think, is the way we design those spaces to start with. And um, Mm, I read an article recently about a young um, architect that uh, won an award and her name completely escapes me. Um, But what they had done is design a house that had uh, three generations of the same family living in it separately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, with potential for four generations wow. <clears throat> um, by designing the house across levels right and and using you know stairs and sliding doors and things so and multiple kitchens so we often think that when we go into generational housing that everybody has to have the same kitchen and bathroom and and, you know we're probably a bit more generous around bathrooms where we go oh no people need their own bathroom but like Right. We, you know, we go yeah. kitchens and those other living spaces have to be shared, and for some people that's not workable. Mm. 
Um, and and for many families, you know, people have different needs, and they That's don't right. always yeah. want to be in the same space yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or entertain the same people, or be at the same meeting, or you know, sharing the same activities, even watching the same channel. Um, so, so if we're in our history. Did we lose that? That that insight into family and intergenerational care because mm. what that allows is for um, people who are, are perhaps retired or not working to care for children and supervise and for right. there to be um, income earners who are working or people to study um, and then the other aspect of that is people to care for the home, cook food right. care for the garden so Sharing of the sharing the, of that, and the sharing of experience and knowledge as well. Yeah, yeah, and the sharing of care. Yeah, you know. So yeah. often we are really busy, and I know it's a challenge for my family is that we all live separately. Yet there's there's an increasing care need for parents, right. and and <clears throat> but like everyone at the same time is working, and so that's a an ex- so it becomes a burden to then have to travel. And do those things. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. And I don't have my mum. You're never a burden. <laughs> um, but yeah, it feels it's an added stressor. I think. So we haven't designed. And if we think about it in terms of futility, if we think about it in terms of climate action, what do these things mean? Mm. But in, <clears throat> in a way, you know, the separation that we've achieved because of our desire for our individual. You know, we're we're better off because we're individuals, or you know, our, 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 this is this is the the issue, really, isn't it? That that yeah, everyone's uh, unique in their own way. Yeah, well, we are, but we have, you know, there's there's a multiplying effect when you combine generations together because yes. there's a multiplying generational benefit: the knowledge, the history, the feeling of um, togetherness, and also, you know, the, the well, just the well-being in general, you know, the connections with your your home and, and the experiences and knowledge and history that come as a result of that, uh, that all builds. Hmm. Yeah. And so um, there's pushback against that, and this is a particularly, <coughs> I, I mean, I think this is part of a colonial system, it was definitely probably indica- uh, predicated by um, uh, white supremacist systems, um, and and capitalism is that the care of our elderly and the care of our young have been monetized. Mm. So industries have been right. created and are being built literally. And are being built, yes. Biggest housing industry in this country is retirement village housing mm. or gated communities for people mm. over the age of fifty five. Mm. Because you know they don't they they can't yeah that's like these independent lifestyles mm-hmm. so urban planning even if everyone doesn't want to live in the same house what would it mean to have um special planning permissions where um families could could buy four houses in a similar area or you right. could get a special family permission to put 
an additional small dwelling on with one right, dwelling, on, you know. Yeah, yeah, so you can have together togetherness, but uh, you have your own private yeah space. So yeah, um, I think um, I, I have seen yeah some uh, building companies offering that kind of arrangement, mm. and uh, um, I think it would be beneficial definitely for councils to um, come to the party as it were to uh, you know get rid of barriers to help that happen and that kind of thing happen and yeah yeah I think there's uh, there's planning tools that are available or that could be made available if we looked at it in a slightly different way and I think our climate action and utility are two lenses that are really important for local planning mm. um, and we have much to learn and we were uh, over the weekend, there was a bit of conversation around um, uh, the way we look at Indigenous knowledge. Mm. And it, it's an interesting thing because last week we were talking about how um, homes and marae and, and communities existed when Tawiwi and Pakia, well, the settlers got here. They already existed. They'd existed for many hundreds of years. Mm. There's a huge amount of knowledge there about, you know, the best ways to they worked well they weren't struggling that it was a thriving (laughs) (laughs) system of education governance uh, kaitiaki you know (coughs) environmental social like economic yeah Yeah. yeah, systems already existed relaxation time yeah built in so um, we'll go and explore that a little bit more shortly but right now we're going to take a break have a have a wee song mm. we'll be back soon
Caldan. We hope you enjoyed that. That was Jean Michael Zas. Some of you might have uh, uh, yes, recognised that from of, the past. Uh, history there, yeah. Yeah. I believe it was Oxygen Part Four. Um, so we were just reminiscing and when Simon went, I used to listen to this. It was like, yeah. He's got transported back in history there. Yeah. yeah. Our, our, um, our early 80s selves just uh, reveled in that. We hope you enjoyed that blast back as much as we did. Um, yeah. And we did, uh, we talked about a few things in the break. Uh, uh, we even managed to touch on Rainbow Warrior and the French and uh, you know, there was Jacques Cousteau, who was yeah. like, you know, the TV superhero Superstar of anything for the oceans. underwater for yeah. oceans. Amazing stuff. Tuned in regularly to watch that. <laughs> and I was like, wow, look at what they can do. And then, um, of course, music. And then it all went south when uh, there was the bombing of the Rainbow Warrior. That's and, right. Uh, yeah. Testing in French Numea and nuclear yeah. testing. So. Um, awareness changes things. It does, yeah. And, and events yeah. and yeah, rewrites history, doesn't it? Yeah. It sure does. It changes the course of history as well. And um, you know, uh, we live in a country that is uh, quite familiar with changing the course of history. <laughs> it seems okay. to it seems yeah. to be like as for. From a settler perspective, it's a young country. From a Māori perspective, it is an ancient country. And they're the two things that we are balancing every day. Over the last couple of um, sessions, we've been talking about housing and the environment, utility, and what it looks like to change the way that we do things and how we question uh, that sort of settler ideal around housing what housing looks like what cities look like why we need those in the first place Mm. and what Mm. are the things that influence that there's definitely been some changes especially over the last uh, 40 or 50 years like we had quite an american model post-war we did yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. and you know i always remember going when i went to america uh, i was just staggered with the space of it and you know they would just let buildings fall over you know out in the rural areas and they'd build a new one beside it without demolishing the old one and and, you know it's just like right okay look they just have this really big sense of space and it's like you don't have to worry about you know (laughs) demolishing buildings out there just but but here, obviously, you know, we're, we're facing new challenges and having to rethink about how we use space and and to to do it well at the same time. Yeah, uh, and how we use land too. And one of the big questions I think um, for us at the moment is 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 around land and land ownership. Mm, um, you mm. know, we know that the concept <coughs> of land ownership came uh, post. Hefakaputanga uh, and Te Tiriti or Waitangi, and um, we know that Hapu never ceded sovereignty. It's That's been right. like you know we've managed to prove it to ourselves now, um, and so what does that mean in the context of l- land ownership, and what are some solutions to that in the future? And I've been thinking recently around: is there a time, you know, when we talk about houses and when we talk about land? Is there a way of kind of ceasing the land ownership part of it? Mm-hmm. Mm. 
you know like 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 is there a way that we can draw a line and go from this year you cannot sell the land mm. it's interesting isn't it that you know we are uh, so culturally bound to land ownership like you know so deeply uh, ingrained in our thinking you know it's like uh, there's there's the the difference between uh, feeling like you're a caretaker for something Mm -hmm. knowing that you have to pass it on Mm -hmm. and knowing that you don't necessarily need to own it but you you've just you've looked after it for that period of time that you've been uh you know uh, yeah. 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 Like you, you, you've, you've cared. You've been the guardian. You've yeah. protected it from bad things. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I, I'm not sure that it is the right pronoun. Um, I think so. Um, previously, Anna and I have talked about how many cultures internationally, and even Tauiwi culture, refers to the earth as a mother. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 And the yeah. source of all life. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think that is that is an interesting concept, and I think it's something that we have to explore some more, because uh, land ownership is 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 at the centre of so much discussion in this country, yeah. and the taking away taking away access to land has broken so many people, and left many people without, and is also the driver of huge inequality. Inequality. So yeah. if we said no one owns the land, but these people have a have a license or agreement to care for this land, um, you know, it, what does that mean for farmers? <coughs> I guess it, it's like any resource, really. Yeah. <coughs> I mean, you could say, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, like you know, water is is, is mm. one. You know, we do you know assign property rights to to things to manage them better or does it you know uh, we, we we don't own water or you know, yeah. it, it, it all really comes back to this feeling of guardianship and or versus you know ownership I'm better off yes. by owning it but actually when you think about it, you know what is actually you know what is wealth and how are we better off actually by Mm. Yeah. Or are we more burdened? That's right. Yeah, you know, and and tasked with, you know, it's this subtle shift and and looking at things that so, can have quite big, yeah. So in Te Ao Māori, there there are significant answers to all of the questions that we have as Tauiwi. <laughs> and some of our journey is to um is to give up or step away from ideas that are so deeply ingrained in our DNA as success indicators and mm. identity indicators. Yeah. But actually, they're relatively meaningless because they're, they're not indicators of wellness. That's right. So wellness it's, does not actually always equate to wealth. That's right. And, and the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, we're getting a uh, pretty time time to to close down. And what's coming up at Go Eco? Well, we've got a few things coming up uh, uh, tonight. 
uh, when this airs on the tonight. Uh, Anna and Joe will be delivering an introduction to He Whakaputanga and Te Tiriti o Waitangi for Tau Iwi at the community Waikato premises. That'll run between 6 and 9pm. Oh, there we go. We better get along to that one. Late dinner. Yep, Looking yep. forward to seeing you. Um, so if you are interested in starting a journey of discovery, then it's a very short sort of you know, couple of hours of uh, discussion and introduction to those topics. Mm, get get you started on your own journey. Quite an astonishing journey it is, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, so it's definitely a big piece of learning for most of us. Mm, mm. Um, and over and above that, more there's the regular uh, gardening workshops um, coming up. The Bike Hub's cranking out bikes at the moment, looking for more volunteers because uh, there's just so many of them. And um, we're looking forward to donating those to some more schools in the near future. I think That's we're going to be cool. donating to Horatu shortly. Oh, good. good. And we're really enjoying working with uh, the Hamilton Multicultural Trust, uh, um, working on those bikes. It's great. Anyway, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Namahi nui kia koutou. Take care. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.